Welcome to Professors Talk Pedagogy, a podcast from the Academy for Teaching and Learning at Baylor University. I'm your host, Christopher Richmond. Professors Talk Pedagogy presents discussions with great professors about pedagogy, curriculum, and learning in order to propel the virtuous cycle of teaching. As we frankly and critically investigate our teaching, we open new lines of inquiry, we engage in conversation with colleagues, and we attune to students' experiences, all of which not only improves our teaching, but enriches and motivates ongoing investigation. And so the cycle continues. Today, our guest is Dr. Helen Harris, Associate Professor in the Diana R. Garland School of Social Work and an experienced online instructor. Dr. Harris is former chair of Baylor's Teaching, Learning, and Technology Committee, a 2011 recipient of Baylor's Outstanding Faculty Award, and a 2012-13 Baylor Faculty Fellow, a year-long fellowship centered on exploration and experimentation in teaching practice in a cohort with other recognized outstanding teachers. Dr. Harris also teaches the Higher Educational Teaching and Learning in Social Work Teaching Practicum for graduate students. We are delighted to have her on the show to discuss community in online learning. Do you want to just get us up to speed on briefly how, how long you've been at Baylor in what capacity and then also what your experience with online teaching is? Sure, happy to do that. So I'm, I'm uh, older than dirt and uh, have been at Baylor now 23 years. I came uh, after about a 25-year uh, clinical practice as a social worker, then came to direct a field program and, and teach, and uh, since then have turned myself into a researcher teacher. <laughs> so been been here a long time. Uh, my favorite thing to do is teach. Absolutely love uh, students and time with students and the, the opportunity to see students grow and have aha moments and uh, launch their own careers. Um, the online environment is, is one that I've, that I've grown increasingly to, to appreciate for its diversity and its opportunity uh, and the opportunities that students have uh, to have access to what we have to provide at Baylor because of the online uh, environment. I've been teaching a couple of online PhD courses for the last, I don't know, six or nine years. Um, teaching how to teach online and then teaching a teaching practicum. Uh, and then I've had some opportunity to teach uh, some practice uh, course material online, do a lot of 2U videos around uh, grief and loss and mourning and mourning theory, trauma loss and mourning and some of those courses as well. So kind of a, an, an array of uh, online experiences with undergrads, grads and PhD students. Mm -hmm. When you first uh, uh, started teaching online, was there anything in particular that you found really challenging or just surprising that uh, you had no idea you ought to have prepared for something like this? Yeah, well, I think always there's the management of the technology. You know, technology mm -hmm. is wonderful when it works and very challenging when it doesn't. And um, particularly if it doesn't for a particular student who's trying to get in, keeps getting kicked off or, or whatever, to try and manage uh, helping that student while, uh, while we keep going with class. I, I, think, um, I think that can be a challenge. Weather, sometimes uh, you wouldn't think that that impacts online, but it, but it does. Mm -hmm broadband width and receptivity and, and all those things. Um, 
I think, you know, the other thing is I was concerned about being able to connect with students online. Uh, there's a there's a different milieu and environment uh, when you're in physical space with people. Um, but I think there are really uh, approaches and ways to, to manage that and to, to connect with students. And uh, I think it's really on us to figure those out and teach each other about that and to do that, to do that important work. Because without a connection with the students, um, I think it can be really boring for students. And I think we miss out uh, on the interaction with students that makes teaching so rich. Yeah, the way that I see that talked about um, from experienced teachers and in the literature too is there's so much um, community that happens sort of um, automatically, maybe is not the right word, but you know, we, we sort of take for granted in the face-to-face -face, uh, setting that there's going to be all those affordances for speaking with students before and after class and running into them and uh, answering questions when when they arise and all those things have to be intentionally uh, made part of the online course. None of that happens just by just by happenstance, like it seems to um, a little bit more in face to face. No, I think I think you're exactly right. I do think that one one thing I've changed since my beginning time teaching online is that I schedule my online course my time uh, to begin earlier than when the when the start of the class is, and I intentionally stay later. I um, I want to be in in this environment just as I would be in a physical classroom early, as students pop pop in or pop on early and yeah. stay late to ask a question or whatever. I think that's really important to do. The additional challenges of privacy and confidentiality are, are a little more challenging where, you know, it, students in a classroom will step back because they know a student, another student is talking to you when we're online like this, we can't do that. But yeah. Can say, uh, hey, you know, I'm going to be having virtual office hours this evening from six to ten. Do you want to schedule, uh, you know, a period of time during that time for us to chat? And I, I think I think you're right that intentionality is the answer. Yeah, I was thinking when you mentioned that about uh, technology too. That that's um, that's something that for those who are who are switching or doing more online teaching now because of the pandemic, that's uh, a, a paradigm shift. I recently looked at a, um, a faculty member's, I'll, I'll keep it anonymous, a faculty member's syllabus who was asking for some, some um, just kind of a review because it's the first time he had taught online. And he had a line in there about, you know, I'll, I'm happy to help you with uh, the course related content questions. If you have tech questions, here's the help desk. And he yeah. just put it in, you know, just put it in like that. And I tried to just gently nudge him towards, you know, students are going to, our students want to be able to come to you. And so when we're teaching online, I think we do have a certain responsibility to be, you know, we're not going to be the gurus on all the technology, but at least a first stop and a helpful, you know, I think helps with that too. Because if students have had other questions in a face-to-face -face class, they'd come to you first too. Well, that's, that's right. And the help desk, has hours that might not cover those evening classes or we yeah. some of the non-traditional times that that we're meeting with students online um, and I think I think it makes sense for us to be accessible in it in a whole different way yeah yeah so when you're um, actually uh, doing um, doing the teaching whether that's synchronous or asynchronous what are you 
what what are you intentionally doing to model the community that you hope to be forming? That's a that's a great question. I I personally prefer uh, at least fifty percent synchronous time with students. Um, now that might be with the whole class, or it might be synchronous time with smaller groups of students. But times when we're actually looking at each other and in real time interacting. Um, but I think I think some of the methods for connecting with students work asynchronously as well. Uh, and, and I think for me, that starts with, um, first of all, thinking through carefully. It, it, it's a skill that, that I call tuning in, uh, thinking about the course, how it fits with uh, the student's educational plan, what courses have come before, what courses build on this course, what's the material that they particularly need. For example, if social work students are doing a practice course with me, what do they really need in order to be successful in their internships? Um, so, so tuning into the course content and the course delivery methods uh, to facilitate the students being able to build knowledge and connect connect with, with that information. But beyond, beyond the sort of technical and content pieces, there's, there's a, you know, the importance of preparatory empathy, not just connecting with students to material, but connecting with students personally and thinking about um, what circumstances are going on for them. Um, if I'm teaching a, a course that primarily is people who are full-time uh, in practice and so they take their, their coursework in the evenings and they've got families and uh, there are lots of things going on in the world that are uh, disruptive and, and concerning at a particular time or they're in a state where a hurricane is threatening or you know there's been terrible weather the you know the days just before the course I want to I want to use some preparatory empathy to think about what that might mean for students what challenges they might be uh, dealing with and then not not change the requirements of the course but be sensitive to how I connect with what the students are experiencing and what's reasonable for them to do and be able to adjust the course to to help manage those those uh, circumstances not just for them but particularly with them yeah yeah and I think you know I think I, I also want to think about each time I meet with students um, in class that uh, whether it's synchronous or asynchronous, if I'm not meeting with them, but I'm setting up some kind of assignment that, uh, that they're gonna do asynchronously and then report on, um, that, that I have been thoughtful about beginnings and middles and endings. So, you know, what's the purpose and point of the assignment? What are the objectives that we're hoping to accomplish? How does that, how does that get started? What am I hoping that they'll learn and develop? And then in terms of endings, what can they summarize and, and apply at the, at the end of uh, that assignment or that class session? So how do we then wrap it up at, at the end in a way that ties a bow on it, helps them connect it to what, what happens next? Yeah. Do you feel um, at, that you have any trouble uh, communicating your, your personality um, through online learning and how, how do you uh, work around that or work through that probably better said it's such a great question um, you know I'm uh, I have a reputation on campus for residential <laughs> courses of having a candy basket which I take to three-hour afternoon classes because my experience is that about an hour 
after an afternoon class starts, students are starting to uh, have their blood sugar drop. And uh, so I put apples and oranges on one side of the basket and uh, chocolate, <laughs> chocolate and Skittles or something on the other side of the basket and trying to have some snacks for them. Well, you can't do that uh, yeah. online, right? But I can be sensitive to the same kinds of issues online and provide breaks, suggest to people uh, whether it's okay for them to eat during class online, how distracting that might be, contract with the class for what works for the class uh, mm. around that. And so to be thoughtful about the same kinds of issues that come up in residential courses, even if I don't take exactly the same approach. Right. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Good. In a PhD course, I, I used to, on the last day of class, make brownies for for classes and well you can't do that online so, so I remember uh you know saying well you know normally if we were in in physical space together I'd be serving you brownies this this evening homemade Harris brownies um but uh, let me encourage you all to make your own brownies and yeah. enjoy them. I mean it's just you know it's not the same experience I did email and I didn't email I snail mailed brownies to every student in one class one semester and I, I discovered that that was a terrible idea. <laughs> Not in the Texas heat, right? <laughs> well, the brownies in Texas got there in two days, but the brownies uh, in California and New York City, it took six weeks for them to get there. I think they were bricks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 but that's the kind of thing i was i was thinking the same thing today when i was uh, you know i've got a little um candy jar on my desk and when students come to office hours you know and um but we're not going to have that that kind of interaction with them so um maybe you maybe you send them a little care package or something like that at midterms um yeah. Yeah. Like, like your, your, uh, your, uh, your brownies. That's a good idea. As long as they're close yeah. enough, it, yeah. you know, and chocolate melts in Texas. So you have to be careful That's about right. that too. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, um, when it comes to the, the learning activities that you, that, that you, um, establish for your courses, um, how, how do you see those working into the community aspect of your online courses? Yeah, I mean, I've had to be um, more creative about that, uh, and I and I think also um, it's it's made me interact more with colleagues who have been teaching online, not just at Baylor but across the country, to say how how are you handling uh, this particular um, method of of teaching? So, in clinical practice, having therapy sessions and practice sessions and practicing skills is really important. How do you do that with, you know, two people interacting across corners of the screen? Well, it really doesn't work. So, uh, but uh, but I've discovered that I can set up other rooms and I can set up other times where there's, you know, a, a threesome of students. So a, a client, an interviewer, a practitioner, and an observer, and then and then me, and then I can chat with the person who's doing the therapy and send them chat notes. Um, be sure and ask this, or, uh, you know, I'm noticing this, what, you know, and, and they look at the chat notes and then they kind of have a prompt for what skill they might use next or what, you know, what they might try instead. And, um, and, and those, and those things work. Is it exactly like if we were in the classroom together? No, but we're in the classroom together. We're just in a different space. And, and I think, um, I think the more we learn about what works, uh, you know, partly I hope as, um, 
as faculty, as teachers and researchers that will think more about um, the practice of pedagogy and the evaluation of the practices of pedagogy. So, you know, what are objectives? How will we measure whether and to what extent we've met them? Uh, and then let's do that work intentionally. And I think that's how we get better. And that's how we're able to communicate with one another. Um, here's some things that, that worked in this way. Here's some challenges around that. And, um, and, you know, might get some publications that come out of that as well. Yeah, yeah. We're all learning a lot and we should be sharing what we're learning with each other. Exactly. We were, when we were talking last week, you, you, I remember you saying something about sort of end of the, end of the, the course um, kind of collaborative work, uh, group work. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, you know, I think endings, I, I mean, I mentioned before, beginnings, middles, and endings are really important. The endings of courses really matter, how we terminate, um, the importance of summarizing the learning we've done together, generalizing that learning to other settings, and then identifying what students' next steps are in, in learning and applying the, the knowledge that they've gained or the experiences that they've gained really matter. Um, and then terminating with one another, a, a way to say to other students in the class, this is what I've learned from you. Uh, this is what uh, maybe my, my hopes for you are as you move forward and uh, having good closure, uh, particularly in social work courses, really, uh, really makes a, a lot of sense. So, you know, some of the things that I've done in residential classes don't work, don't work online. Mm -hmm. So I need to be creative and think about what will, what will work online to be able to replicate the experience. Um, and I think that means starting with, you know, what's, what's the objective? What's my point in closure? And then how can I do that given the tools that, that I have available to me here? Uh, and, and in my experiences, it works that students are able um, whether we're using a discussion board where they interact with one another or whether they're identifying, now I'm thinking about an undergraduate course where I had students identify a color that seemed representative of each of the other people, the 12, 15 people in the classroom and why they chose that color for that person. And what they ended up doing was identifying strengths that were associated with that, with each person in the classroom wow. um, that, that they operationalized by by saying well this this person is true blue or <laughs> really gung-ho for growth or you know green for growth or or whatever uh, those are kind of sort of trite expressions they were much more creative and and more more depth than that but but it's i think it's on me to provide for them the venue and the opportunity uh, to do that work rather than saying oh it's just too hard so i'm not going to do it yeah that's good that's good. And I like that, that you are, uh, on one hand, you're thinking about how might I translate the things that I do in face-to-face -face into the online realm, but also realizing it, it, there's, not, there's not usually a one-to-one. -one. Um, there's got to be actually some translation there, and maybe you, you can't do something that, that you used to do in a face-to-face -face course. On the yeah. other hand, I, I like that you're that you're also think, think, thinking through how it's related to my discipline. You're thinking about you know your um, uh, your specific um, learning objectives and how those tie into the to the group building that you do too. Yeah, I think I think also um, 
one thing I, I started this adventure thinking there's so much we're going to lose by not being in physical space together. How do I kind of make up for that? What I've discovered is there are also things you gain that, that were never possible um, or, or I would never have thought about in the residential environment. So for, for example, trauma loss and mourning course, one of the things we, we do is um, make a funeral home visit during the course as, as a group. Um, and that's a, it's a powerful experience. Um, but when I ask students who are online to each take a virtual tour of a different funeral home or a different cemetery and then come together and talk about that, then actually, you know, you have people that talk about their, their family cemetery and people who talk about the community cemetery and people who talk about the Jewish cemetery or the, mm. you know, the, the East Waco cemetery or, um, and, and it's a much richer conversation. I could have thought about that in, in the residential classroom setting, but I, but I didn't. And so this has yeah. uh, also been an opportunity for me to think more broadly and um, think bigger. Yeah, that's good. Well, I can't let you go without uh, asking you about T-shirt day. You mentioned T-shirt day when we talked last time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There, I mean, sometimes it's important to to try and figure out fun things too. You know, particularly um, when things are kind of lagging in the course a little bit, or or toward the end of the course, and people are tired. So I, I had a course recently where I invited everybody for the last day of class to wear. Uh, one of their favorite t-shirts with some favorite message on it. And so then they would stand, you know, stand up and show their, their t-shirt uh, and, and talk a little bit about it. Uh, I have a colleague who had a special hat day. And so everybody got, you know, some people wore like a cap or a Stetson or a, um, uh, several of the, of the ladies in the class wore like big, you know, church Sunday hats. And, yeah. You know, and it just something that helps show people's personality. Yeah. And, them a chance to in interact in a little different way with one another. If you can connect it to course content, that's even better, but everything doesn't have to connect. To yeah. Content. Yeah. I think what you're getting at there is, is at least in part is self-expression. You know, when, when we're in a, when we're in a, a traditional classroom, physical, physically sharing the space, um, each of us, we have our own set of tools that we use to sort of tell the world, here I am. Um, you know, the, the, the way we walk, the way we talk, the way the clothes that we wear. Um, and a lot of that is either um, muted or maybe just non-existent in, in, unless you, you know, do some intentional um, work with that and give the students the sort of the per permission to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, being intentional about speaking what the, what the un unwritten rules are, you know, is it okay if, you know, I mean, I don't have small children at home anymore, but part of my life teaching, I had small children at home. If my child were to come in, you know, and want to ask me a question because they're on their way to bed and I'm teaching, I'm still teaching at 830 at night or whatever, is that okay? Or if my dog barks or if my cat meows or... Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, there needs to, there need to be ways that students can say, this is who I am mm -hmm. and be heard and seen. Yeah. And, and I, and I don't think those need to detract from the purpose, the academic purpose of the, of the course, but I think they can actually enhance the interaction that potentiates people's engagement 
with the academic purpose of the course. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, anything that you might want to add that we didn't get a chance to touch on here? No, I just, you know, I really appreciate the work the ATL is doing to provide resources for folks. And I would encourage, encourage everybody to, to consider what's possible rather than be focused on what's not, because uh, this is a great adventure. Well said, and a good way to wrap it up, too. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Our thanks again to Dr. Helen Harris for speaking with us today. If you'd like more perspectives and tips about forming community and online classes, the ATL has produced a video on this topic featuring Dr. Harris's social work colleagues, as well as a teaching guide on socialization in online learning, both of which you'll find in today's show notes. That's our show. Join us next time for Professors Talk Pedagogy.